Let's tip it off. It's college hoops time. NCAA team stand on the ground. All sweat, no pain. Homie, we want more. Lock up, loose ball, man. We diving on the floor. Working in preseason. Ready for the chance. Working in this season. Ready for the dance. Ready for tip off. Ready for tip off. Ready for tip off. Ready for tip off. It's college hoops. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the March Only Podcast. I am your host, Troy Macker. And as always, this is the best place to talk March Madness and nothing but college basketball. And today is a super special episode and perhaps our first emergency podcast of the 2018 tournament. Thanks to the number 16 seed UMBC Retrievers winning against the number one overall seed UVA Cavaliers 74-54 in the first round of the 2018 NCAA tournament. It is the first time... A 16 seed has ever beaten a one seed in the men's tournament. Now, it happened in 1998 in the women's tournament when number 16 seed Harvard beat the number one seed Stanford Cardinal. But it had never happened in men's basketball. Heading into the game, number 16 seeds were 0 and 135. UMBC just put the 1 in 1 and 135. Later in the podcast, you'll hear from NBC Sports Washington's Bob Trossett, who sat down with UMBC's Zach Seidel, who is in charge of digital media and was handling the Twitter account of UMBC Athletics, which absolutely blew up, as you would expect. But before we get to UMBC, let's talk Virginia. And the reason we need to talk Virginia is because they were the number one overall seed. A number one seed has never lost to a 16 seed. And right, no one could see this coming, right? No one could predict this to happen. I did. Yes, that's right. I predicted and projected that UMBC would beat UVA. And it's because I think UMBC is better than people think. And the thing about UVA is that they play a very slow pace. They play a pack line defense. So they allow people to shoot threes. They don't slide out to defend the three-point shooter. So when you add in the fact that they don't maximize possessions in terms of getting a lot of possessions per 100, which I believe is an important metric in tournament basketball, and they allow their opponents to shoot three-pointers, if they're not hitting their shots and they're not gaining extra possessions, if another team, regardless of how talented they are or not, if they get extra possessions, you're already behind the eight ball. And that's exactly what happened. You know, it's, it's hard to say I had all the numbers that suggested that UMBC would beat them because if that were the case, lots of people would have done that. Um, there were not a lot of Kempom statistics that suggested that this was a foregone conclusion We've never seen a 16 seed win before. But the fact of the matter is, I've watched UMBC play like 10 times. I've seen UVA play 15 times. There are not many people in the country who have seen UMBC play outside the America East Championship game in which Jarius Lyles hit a buzzer beater to propel UMBC to the NCAA tournament. UVA, as we all know, is a glacially slow team. And that's what they want to do. And they've found great success since Tony Bennett has taken over. In fact, they, they've only lost two games since the start of December this year. Right? They, they had won nine straight heading into the tournament. They won the ACC tournament. No one could predict this. Again, I, I did. Yeah, that, that I, I'm doing this in large part because I need to pat myself on the back. But also because we need to talk about UVA and why we thought they would win the national championship. I'm very confused how so many people thought they would when it's just not a conducive style to play in the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament is chaos. There's lots of things you can't explain. And so what you need to do is set yourself up for success if 
things that you can't explain happen. And so how do you stay in a game? You get extra possessions and you hit three-pointers. Those are two things that they don't do, and that's two things that they allowed their opposition to do. And this was not a three-point win or a stunning, close decision. This was a blowout. UMBC was the better team across the board. They may not be as talented. They may not have the experience. But what they did was they played the better basketball game, and it's because they had a better style. And styles make fights, as they say in the fight game. That's what happened here. I don't care if UMBC has no one who ever plays pro basketball and UVA has a ton. UVA was set up to fail in this NCAA tournament. Maybe not this game, but eventually. And the fact that so many people had them going to the Final Four National Championship when they have no success in the past in the tournament was ludicrous. Again, past tournament success is something that people don't like to quantify because the, the players aren't there every year. But there's something about program basketball. You look at Butler. Butler could have nothing but 6'3 dudes. They've had four coaches in six years, and all they do is win tournament games because when you put the jersey on, you know how to win. They get people who know how to play, whether or not they're top 100 guys or whatnot. And the fact of the matter is this, is that UMBC had what it takes to beat Virginia, and Virginia just doesn't play the style of basketball that is conducive to finding success in the NCAA tournament. Now, how does the NCAA tournament differ from the ACC tournament? Because UVA has won, what, two, three of the last four ACC tournaments? It's simple. They don't play UMBC. They don't watch UMBC. They play Clemson a bunch. They play North Carolina a bunch. They play teams that have played North Carolina and Miami and North Carolina State and Duke. They are familiar with those teams. So when you get into the NCAA tournament, familiarity goes out the window. And so again... If you don't maximize possessions and play up-tempo and allow yourself the opportunity to get back into a game, you're screwed. And that's the thing about Virginia is they don't ever put themselves in a position to rally back from 15. And yes, they're usually up, so they don't have to rally back, but they don't play the style that allows them to erase a big deficit quickly. If you remember two years ago, they blew a 16-point lead against Syracuse in the second half of the end of the NCAA tournament and Syracuse dared them to run the fast break. Virginia was trying to run fast breaks and they literally didn't know how to guys did not want to go to the lane because when they get the ball on the offensive side of the court, they are looking to slow it down. The problem is, is when you're down 15 and history is is going against you, you can't slow it down. You got to go, go, go. That's what UMBC did. And that's what Virginia couldn't do. And that's why we are talking about history absolute history now UVA is not the greatest number one seed we've ever seen and UMBC is not the best 16 seed we've ever seen so if you had to pick a number one seed to eventually lose Virginia was probably the choice that's exactly what went into my decision to suggest that UMBC could win this game and if you don't know Jarius Lyle's name you better get familiar real quick he had 29 points in the win And he scored the buzzer beater over Vermont team that beat UMBC by over 20 points twice. So this guy is feeling it right now. And he is going to be a pivotal figure in March Madness history from here on out because his team did the unthinkable, the absolute unthinkable in beating UVA. And it's cool for us and myself to be a college hoops guy in the D.C. area to see it happen between two teams from this area. And think about that. 
Virginia, Virginia Tech, Radford from Southern Virginia, and UMBC were the only teams from the D.C. area to make the NCAA tournament. Radford won their first four game and then lost to Villanova in the first round. Virginia Tech lost to Alabama in their first round game. And UVA lost to UMBC. UMBC, the number 16 seed, is the only D.C. area team to win a first-round game, and they did so by beating the number one overall seed. It is absolute history. I was trying to rack my brain about things more embarrassing than being the first-ever number one seed to lose to a number 16 seed, and I couldn't, I couldn't come up with any. I would much rather have been the Atlanta Falcons to blow a 28-3 to lead to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I would much rather be the Golden State Warriors blowing a 3-1 lead to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. This is the single most embarrassing thing that you could be attached with because it had never happened. 0-135. So it stinks because you feel bad for the UVA kids because they're good kids on a good team with a good coach, and now we're sitting here talking about should UVA let Tony Bennett go? And it goes back to this sports theory that I have about fans, and it's that fans want teams to be great so bad that they forget how hard it is to be consistently good. And Tony Bennett has been consistently good at Virginia. And we should not want him fired because he was the coach of the first team ever to lose to a 16 seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Tony Bennett is Tony Bennett has won 219 games at Virginia since joining at the beginning of the 2009 season. All right, he's 219 and 86. That's a 71.8% win percentage. They've been the ACC regular season champs three times. They've been the ACC conference champs twice and they've won both the regular season and the conference tournament twice. But Tony Bennett's postseason looks like this. 2012 Round of 64. 2013, the NIT quarterfinals. 2014, Sweet 16. 15, round of 32. 2016, the Elite Eight. 2017, round of 32. 2018, lost in the first round. So please, don't tell me that Tony Bennett should be fired because maybe UVA can't win a national championship. You know how many teams haven't won a national championship? You know how hard it is to win a national championship? But there is something about the NCAA tournament that is unquantifiable. Things happen. Things get weird. And people make shots when they shouldn't. People who aren't as good as you'd expect start playing like NBA players. And so you have to allow some breathing room for the weird to happen and have a fallback. And UVA doesn't. Now, on the flip side, let's talk UMBC because as – Embarrassing as this is for UVA, we also need to give all the credit in the world to UMBC for doing something that no other team has ever done. We are now going to have to talk about this game in the same ilk as maybe even Miracle on Ice, which which is the greatest upset in sports history. It was more about civilization and society and culture and patriotism and pride than actual sports, but it was... Uh, a bunch of amateur hockey players versus a, a Russian juggernaut. And here we had a college basketball machine in UVA that doesn't make mistakes, that never turns the ball over and just suffocates their opponents versus UMBC, a team that two years ago won seven games the entire season. Ryan Odom has done nothing short of a phenomenal job at UMBC. He's won over 40 games in two years, 
And if you look at UMBC before he got there, UMBC had won 40 games in seven years total. Ryan Odom gets there. They win 40 games in two years, including the biggest upset in NCAA history. They win games. And when they win big or they lose big, there was no in-between. So if they're on, they're on, and there are not many teams that can stop them. And Jarius Lyles was playing lights out. He is the type of guy who could carry a team to one or two wins. And UMBC doesn't have to win another game for the rest of the program's history because they are etched in the annals of college basketball lore because they beat the number one overall seed and became the first team ever to beat a number one seed as a 16th seed in the NCAA tournament. And more importantly, your boy, this guy, two thumbs right here, predicted it would happen. And so I'm here to puff my chest out a bit because I literally, when I saw the bracket, I, I, I thought and I knew this is something that could happen. Not many people gave this team a chance. I did. I've seen them play a ton, and I really liked how they play. They play hard. They don't give up. They shoot well. They got a couple different guys who can score. And I think winning at Vermont in the A-East championship game on a buzzer beater gave them all the confidence in the world to go against the team, regardless of what seed they are, that can't score and doesn't like to run. They were allowed the opportunity to control the pace of play. So... I'm really ecstatic that AUMBC won, that we saw history made, that I was right, and that a lot of people's brackets are busted. And if you watched the game last night, you know, you and you followed it on social media, you could see that UMBC was losing its mind. Their Twitter account was just, they, they were lights out as much as the team was lights out. And so what we did is we had Bob Trossett, one of my coworkers here at NBC Sports Washington, reached out to Zach Seidel, who is in charge of of the UMBC Twitter account to talk to him about what it was like, what he was feeling, what the emotions were like trying to be the, the online voice of history of college basketball history. So what we're going to do now is play that interview recorded earlier today. Uh, enjoy. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit after that. Well, March madness is officially underway. And how about the 16 seated UMBC retrievers out of Baltimore County in Maryland the social media director that you may have followed at some point last night on social media, probably on Twitter, is joining us now from the NBC Sports Washington Podcast Studios, and that's Zach Seidel. Zach, thanks for tuning in. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, but I'm more interested in how you are. Are you are you with it right now? Did you sleep at all last night? What is going through your head right now? I did not get to sleep until some point after 6.30, um, I woke up sometime around nine, um, been on the phone all day, getting phones blowing up. I'm sitting here with my eyes half closed, <laughs> to be honest. It's been a crazy uh, few hours. I'm sure you're running off of March Madness adrenaline down there in Charlotte. I mean, you know, to think that you guys, your Twitter account, and that's at UMBC Athletics for those of you tuning in, to think that that account started the night at around 5,000 followers, and I just checked you guys are closing in on 70,000. Okay, actually, you just surpassed 70,000 followers. And for you... Ooh, we the, did it. You did it. And for you to be the one behind, you know, behind that, and I read somewhere that you were just asked, you don't run that account every night. Is that correct? 
yeah, like I'm in charge of social media, but it's normally the sports information director in charge of it who does it. And that's my boss, Steve Levy. And he, he asked me, he was like, Hey, can you, can you run it, you know, for the game? And I was like, yeah, sure. And to think that before the game, you guys are at 5,000 and now it's 71,000 plus. I'm literally refreshing it as we go throughout <laughs> this phone call. What does that mean to you? I mean, has, have you been able to put this into, honestly, words? No, no I'm just so happy for, for the institution and, and the department and, and Dr. Abathia, our president, who, who's done such a great job build, building this university up and, and all, of the, all of us who, who have UMBC at heart, you know, who know how great of a school it is. We're just so happy, you know, for it to have its moment like this. You're a 2012 graduate. You're a retriever through and through. I believe you got your master's in 2015 there, if I'm not mistaken. You know, what does this, for, for those of you, you know, for those who might be tuning in, who say, well, who is this Zach Seidel guy? What does UMBC mean to you? It, it, it means a lot. Um, my, my parents went and met there, which is why I didn't want to go there for, you know, the first 17 years of my life. Um, but I, I finally, you know, when it time, came time to apply to colleges, I finally took a look at the university and realized it was just such a great place and such a perfect fit that I went there, and, and I'm a guy of comfort, and I've been very comfortable there and, and very happy with, you know, how, how the school is being run and, and what I've been doing there, and, you know, it's just a place that fits me, and I've been very happy, and I'm just so ecstatic for the school right now. You know, I find it funny because I, I grew up in Albany, New York, and obviously, oh. you know, SUNY Albany has, has had a pretty good run the last 10 years or so in the America East. And, you know, growing up there and going to a lot of games, I, I got to be honest with you, we would circle UMBC as a usual, you know, normally winnable game. And now you guys are sitting in this position where, you know, you will probably go down as the greatest upset victory in college basketball history. I, mean, I don't see, you know, I've read a lot the last 20 hours or so since this happened. I don't see there being another game that can compete with this. You know, what? The, I mean, there, there, there's been so many great moments, but I don't appreciate you you circling UMBC. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been a whirlwind. Well, how many, you know, it's funny that the Twitter approach that you seem to take was have a little bit of sass, keep it respectable, uh, come at people if they came at you first, and it seemed to resonate with people, and it, it de- definitely the millennials. What was your approach heading into the game? I, I, whenever I run an account, whether it's our softball, when I tweet for a day, whether it's softball, volleyball, baseball, um, any of our other games, lacrosse, you know, it, that, that, that's my approach for a game normally. Is, is I just tweet like that. I tweet like the way I was tweeting is my personality and just how I talk with people. And I didn't really have a plan going into the game, except that, you know, Jarris Lyles needed 15 points to set the, the single-season scoring record for the school. So the only tweet I knew I was going to have was if he scored 15 points, you know, that, that I was going to send out a congratulatory, congratulatory tweet. And I was trying to make a graphic on it, you know, during the beginning of the game, but it got so crazy that uh, <laughs> that couldn't be done. And then your your website crashes you know, it's 21-21 at half. People are starting all throughout the country to say, well, let me get to a TV. Twitter's blowing up. What are you doing there on, on Media Row? I, what is going through your mind? Um, well, first, I, I, was, I, was, I was actually at the scorer's table, 
And I, you know, I'm getting texts from so many people. One of them, I think, is like from my mother and my sister, like, brush your hair. We see you on TV. Uh, so I was trying to work on that. But, um, you know, my tweet deck kept crashing. And, and what was going through my mind was, hey, you know, we're getting good publicity. Let's just keep this up. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And we're going to ride this wave as long as we can. At what point in that second half were you thinking to yourself, this is actually about to happen? I, I told everyone, I'm like, I remember sitting there and thinking to myself, the under four timeout where I think we were up 17, and I remember thinking, you know, we've had a couple games like this this year where we've been up this much with four minutes left, and you were relaxed, and, you know, like, come on, Zach, you were relaxed, you were chilling, you knew the game was over. And I'm like, you know, why are you, why are you thinking this game isn't over yet? You know, you're playing number one Virginia. And it wasn't until about a minute and a half left in the game where I was like, this is, this is happening. This is actually happening. Zach, I mean, a lot of people started diving into the schedule you know, throughout the last few months for you guys. And, you know, people hadn't even heard of the school. And they're looking at the schedule and they're seeing that you lost to, to Albany 83-39 and you lost to Stony Brook in Vermont. And, you know, you bet you were there the entire season. Did you go to the Albany game? That game was up at Albany. Um, our women played Albany that day. And I was actually working in the ESPN3 truck when that happened. And I remember following the game going, man, what, what's happening up there? You know, and so when we beat Albany at our place uh, a few weeks ago, it was, uh, it was a nice little revenge. And college basketball, stuff happens. I mean, we won yesterday. There are games where teams do terribly. You know, it's a, you know it's, we score a lot of points, and that was just one of those games where it didn't happen. And if people want to go back through and, and nitpick our schedule, it's used just know that the team they saw yesterday is the team that was there most of the year. I had a chance to chat briefly with uh, a buddy of mine, Graham Waples. He's a broadcaster at UMBC. I believe you know him pretty well. And uh, he, he, told, <laughs> he, he told me that, that your mom had uh, quite a few thoughts about this. What, what does this mean to her? And what is your family possibly thinking of what's going on with their son? Uh, my mom wanted me to make sure that um, if I was on TV that I looked okay and that my last name was spelled right. Uh, you know, she's like, do your bosses know what's happening? I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're busy with other stuff, but I'm sure they will find out. Um, my, my grandparents FaceTimed me, uh, one set of them, um, and they, they understood. They're pretty smart. My other grandmother, I was told, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be on uh, the local CBS News later. And they're like, oh, maybe, maybe your other grandma will then actually understand what's going on. <laughs> so, you know, um, so, yeah, I'm going to be on the local news, Mom. Grandma, don't worry about CNN and the New York Times and all that. Zach, at the end of the day, once you you know get some rest and, and finally come to terms with what's happened, what's the biggest takeaway that you think you'll take from this experience? Um, I think it just goes to show people that, you know, we are in a, in a, in a new age of, of social media, and, you know, the best social media accounts, like I said, like um, Cleveland Indians, Vegas Golden Knights, LA Kings, Atlanta Hawks, they have great personalities. And it's what resonates with people. People like feeling like they're not just talking to a robot, you know, that there's a real fan or there's someone there behind the, the Twitter keys. And I think that people should just learn that, hey, maybe this is a way that we should do our business. Zach, last question for you. What should we expect from the account going forward? Are you going to get the nod for the next round? I hope so. I hope Coach doesn't bench me. Uh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it, and I don't have anything planned. Uh, I'm just going to do what I did before, 
I'm not going to go overboard with anything. I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing, and hopefully that's successful. Zach, really appreciate it. Enjoy the ride. Get some sleep. We'll be watching in the next round over here in Bethesda. Uh, thank you. That is Zach Seidel of UMBC Athletics. Mr. Twitter, they're calling him, right down here in the D.C. Baltimore area. Zach, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, man, all good on my end. Thanks so much. <laughs> Honestly, enjoy this. Hopefully uh, hopefully catch up with you in person at some point in the future and uh, safe travels. All right, cool. Thank you very much. Okay, Zach, bye-bye. I want to thank Bob and I want to thank Zach for being a part of this. And I want to thank UMBC and UVA for providing us with a little slice of history, something that no one will ever forget. The UMBC Retrievers, very good dog, beating the UVA Cavaliers 74-54 to become the first ever 16th seed to beat a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, putting the one in one and 135. That's going to do it for this emergency podcast episode of the March Only Podcast. Again, I'm Troy Macker. Thanks a lot for joining me. You can like, share, subscribe, rate this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And we'll circle back shortly for another edition as March Madness keeps going. Ready for tip off. Ready for tip off. Ready for tip off. It's college hoops time.